Welcome to Mouthwash, TBD Conference's podcast with me, Paul Armstrong, creator and curator of TBD Conference and founder of Emerging Technology Advisory here forth. Aruj Aftab is the founder behind Done With Diversity, a community movement that's about changing the narrative on how the word diversity is used. The movement seeks to change how the media and different industries portray the words amongst brown, black, LGBTQIA+, and disabled bodies, and proposes the term isn't helping the people it seeks to. We have a fascinating chat that I learned a load from, actually, and I'm forever grateful to Aruj for taking time out, considering it was Ramadan too. Find Aruj on Instagram or at the hashtag DoneWithDiversity. Enjoy the show. Aruj Aftab is an award-winning activist and inclusivity consultant who's scraping stereotypes for the media industry and fashion industry. Aruj grew a large Instagram following for her fashion work before revealing that she has the rare genetic condition type 1 neurofibromatosis. This is a condition that causes tumours to grow along Aruj's nerves, making modelling more challenging. Following a wave of support from her followers, Aruj went on to found Done With Diversity movement, which has been featured in major news outlets and the likes of Vogue. The heart of who Aruj is, is trying to help change. So founder, activist, fashion icon, presenter, Aruj is one of TBD's fresh faces. Aruj, I'm honoured that you have made the time to talk with us about Down With Diversity and your career to date, uh, especially considering it's Ramadan. So thank you ever so much. Lots to talk about. Have Monday treat you? Oh, my days. It's been a very busy day. Thank you for that introduction. It's been a very busy day. Um, of course, yeah, the month of Ramadan is coming to an end. Um, yeah, it's been good. It's just been quite hectic. It's been, um, it's definitely been an interesting month. Um, a lot of, um, a lot, a lot of, a lot of reflecting and a lot of just, uh, I guess, doing and trying to keep active and all that kind of stuff, trying to stay po- as positive, even given the current news, um, as many people are aware of what's happening um, in Palestine and all that kind of stuff during the month of Ramadan. So it's, it's very kind of hard to remain level headed yeah. and not get too angry, but it's also just trying to remain as positive as you can whilst you're fasting and you know stay connected to your faith stay connected to god and um as well as that stay active make sure your 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 work is getting done you're meeting deadlines and all that sort of stuff yeah no absolutely i think that's the important thing isn't it you've got to you, you know keep a positive face on but also keep aware of everything that's that's the yeah. important part um okay well this should be fun um mouthwash isn't just me chatting with a rouge though i want to hear your questions so please use the hashtag mouthwash show and i will do my best to get them in i'm sure a rouge will also go through the tweets after that as well and you'll be able to uh, potentially get an answer directly should i not be able to get to it and that's the thing um right okay let's um start i ask every guest this what was the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning I need to get my nails done. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and what's wrong with the nails? There we ask. What's what's been? No, I just, I just haven't. I just haven't had them done. So I was like, yeah, I went. I, I actually wanted to get my nails done, um, and a facial, and uh, just a bit of TLC skincare. Eid is coming up. Eid is Eid is coming up. You know what I mean? Eid. Yeah. Eid. I don't know why. Well, to be fair, it's really complicated to explain. So Eid, Eid is based on the lunar calendar. So Muslims follow. So I'm a Muslim for those. I don't know so obviously i mentioned ramadan so you would know but um <laughs> it is based on the lunar calendar so basically um depending on what islamic country you follow and if there's a crescent moon sighting you would eid would then be marked as eid is the next day so we're looking around 12th or 13th for eid but i was like right i need to get my nails done i need to get a facial done i need to um just do my, everything that i can before 
Wednesday, Thursday, and um, I've done it. So that was my first thing on my mind this morning, which isn't, which is quite, um, to be fair, I don't really think about myself the first thing in the morning, but today I did. So, so I'll take it. I'm quite happy with that. Exactly. Why not? And you, and did you say you've got them done already? Yeah, I literally See, got back achieving. a bit ago. You're achieving already. I love that. I love that. Um, tell me about the last 12 months. How have they been for you? The last 12 months have been very, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's been, um, crazy it's been a bit mm-hmm. it's been a bit of a up and down but it's been what full of opportunities that I can't um I don't know it's really it's, it's been it's been like it doesn't feel like it's been 12 months you know it feels like last year didn't even happen like it's just clicked gone and you're like did 2019 even happen did 2020 even happen did mm-hmm. oh wait we're in 2021 so it's very fast paced and I think keeping up with the pace was also trying to make sure you are present for the good things, the bad things, the learning points and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'd say definitely grown as a person. I think as people, we always grow. Um, mm. But um, I've learned a lot more about myself and I think I've become a bit more, um, my mindset is a bit more, I think I, I, I know more of what I want now rather than, yeah. I say last year was like, yeah, I'll do this and I'll do that. But now it's just like, I know, my, I know what I want now. And I know how I'm going to get it. And and how did you come to that sort of realisation? I think it's knowing your worth eventually. Mm-hmm. But it's also knowing how to discipline yourself. Like I struggle saying no a lot of the time. So I'll say yes to everyone if they need help for certain stuff. Yeah. And then I was like, actually, people, you know, people want to work with me. It's not like I'm always going to them. So, you know, if people are asking for my time, I need to first give myself time before I can give other people time and I was so burnt out at one point where I was like I've not actually had um time to myself I've not had anything I've just done work 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 mm-hmm. and it has paid off because I'm in a very like you know um I, I'm, I'm I'm happy with what I'm doing but there's certain people that want to use you at certain points or be involved with certain things because you're trending in a certain area at some point and it's just like I think I've I've learned to read people mm. and for me it's just um going in knowing that I know my I know my stuff and I know my time and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that I have my time now but also yeah. I think you know um when you kind of achieve and you grow and you become more successful is what I was finding last year you know I was I was getting recognised a bit more in press and done with diversity and this credibility was just continuing to build up. There's a level of expectation people have mm. on what they expect from you next. And I think that really played on me. And I was like, you know what? I might not always deliver. I might always. You don't know. But I'm just going to do what feels right. And I think that's all that I've been doing. And it's been okay. It's been, it's been, it's been um, quite blessed. Yeah. It's a it's a learning, isn't it? When like when you like you said, when you've had success and you're getting popular, or you know you, you are famous in in one of another word for certain things, and diversity is and inclusion and that sort of thing is a very popular sort of term and area at the moment. So good for yeah. you for keeping it together because I'm sure your inbox was full of stuff. I know I was harassing you to do TBD last year and that sort of <laughs> stuff. So um, yeah, no, talk about that for a second actually because you do a lot more. You know, you used to be a mo- still a model. Now you do um, lots of other things like talks and that sort of thing. But that's not just what you do. You also help brands and that's yeah, yeah. Talk a bit about that before we talk about you. 
Yeah, so I'm on the opposite end of the diversity argument. People are saying we need more diversity. I'm saying no, we don't. And there's a reason to why I'm saying that. Um, so I explore language and terminology, and I hate, not hate, hate, hate the wrong word. I dislike the word diversity because the word diversity is what do you mean, right? People are, we need more diversity and inclusion. I'm like, no, we don't. We actually need to rethink the way we are approaching diversity and inclusion before going ahead with diversity and inclusion. So the word diversity today in many creative industries, many corporate industries makes the non-disabled, heterosexual, white men and female look like the norm. And anybody who doesn't conform to that status quo is considered diverse. Mm. This affects the concept of otherness. So I was like, wait, my skin color is not diverse. My, me being a female is not diverse. My, you know, it's, 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 it's not even, so I've got, for those who don't, I've got a condition called neurofibromatosis and it's where benign tumors grow in the inside of my nerves and skin. And it's something that I would talk about on my Instagram here and there. And it's caused disfigure on the left side of my body so I, I kind of wear fashion oversized fits and that's how I find my comfort as well me having a condition or a disability isn't diverse right so I was like why is it that we are constantly fighting white European beauty standards to be seen as a norm but then we're not because we'll have diversity attached to us so I was like, well, you know, we need to really approach because diversity isn't someone's skin colour. It isn't someone's identity. It isn't someone's sexuality because that is all normal. In today's society, we have so many existing bodies, so many people from different walks of life. You can't call someone diverse based on their skin colour and you can't call someone diverse based on their identity. But we can call someone diverse based on their experiences, their skill set, their mm. background, celebrate culture. But how often do we see diversity campaigns or diversity inclusion boards actually celebrating what it's meant to be celebrating? We don't. We have it for the purpose of race. And I was like, this is not this is not right. So I started a campaign called hashtag Done With Diversity to really encourage organisations to rethink the language they use and consider if they're truly being inclusive to all. And a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are using the word diversity without knowing what it means. Mm. or knowing how to even approach it and um it's just this constant tick box it's a lazy tick box it's it's this other like constant otherness that we i am trying to make brands not to sort of tokenize diversity or how to even speak to communities authentically that Mm. does come with its challenges because i've always said to a brand i'm south asian and pakistani i'm not going to speak on behalf of my community but I will give you insight from data. Again, I don't speak on behalf of any community. So um, when I kind of talk about how not to tokenize diversity, I do the whole, right, let me speak to people from that community. And it's not just speaking to one person. It's gathering 10, 20 people from that one community and then getting their thoughts because there's going to be a difference of opinion. There's going to be a diversity of thought within just one community. Yeah. So, kind of build my research. Whether it even is my own, like that's I'm Pakistani. I know other people are going to have different viewpoints to me, and the way I identify as a Muslim, I don't wear a hijab. So, if I was to speak to somebody with a hijab, and it's kind of like making sure when you're when you're sort of um, building a community, you have to pivot at all times, and you don't stop pivoting. Mm-hmm. Brands think they can take one diversity box and start pivoting when they've done the job face value. 
it doesn't work mm-hmm. like that. So um, I try to just kind of gather as much data and information as I can and I go to sort of brands and consult them on how probably to approach diversity properly. But the question I get asked is, well, how do we not be tokenistic? I'm not really going to be tokenistic anyway because you're already too late. We've already started it too late. So you are going to be, you're going to come across tokenistic, but this is something that you can, I guess, learn from. But I don't know how brands expect not to be tokenistic when they've never had a black or brown or a person with a disability on their campaigns. Mm-hmm. So it's just really ticking a box for all of them. So I'm just trying to, um, I guess, change the narrative of the language they use and introduce other methods on how to actually speak to um, consumers authentically rather than seasonally. And what's the reaction been from um, uh, communities <coughs> and brands? So that is consumers and brands, do you say? Yeah. Uh, a lot of support, a lot of support. It's crazy. Like, um, it's crazy. It's just, it's, it's support has been crazy. Like, I remember starting this and I was like, oh, will anybody get done with diversity? Will they think that I'm just cancelling out here? I'm complaining about nothing. And no, it's been great. Um, consumers, Instagram uh, people, like users um, have been amazing. Brands, I'll say they're they're reluctant because they think they probably think, oh, we've got a certain way of doing things, whatever. You're like this millennial generation, blah, blah, blah. And it's like not all of them, some of them. Mm. But some brands have been incredibly supportive. I've had incredible platforms to speak on and a lot of mentors, a lot of leaders that are like, that leaders in the fashion space that are listening to my message a lot of university lecturers and educators that have called me into the universities to lead a certain diversity and inclusion curriculums and all that kind of stuff so the support has been incredible and I'd say even with the consumer support so I, I like to approach things um visually I've never been a big reader mm-hmm. I've always loved art so I communicate through art and I post artwork can you either read between the lines or you read the quote so in my artwork will range from how I communicate so even when I send a brand a deck it will be artwork um but the artwork will contain a message based on how their my my sort of approach to their diversity initiatives and it will make sense because they they it, it also very much self explained you know mm. there's quotes there's a bit of imagery and there's little text because I think the last thing somebody needs to read is 20 pages of a report when they've been there and done that and it's it's, these reports everywhere so I like to sort of make it as visual and I think because of that it's quite memorable and it is shareable content yeah and um people like that sort of stuff so I guess it it really works for me um but yeah I think I think uh, consumer wise they like the little taglines I come up with and I guess how they can relate to it so I think one of them one of the taglines I had was, we are not seasonal. And as I look, mm-hmm. Muslims aren't just Muslim on Eid or Ramadan. Um, gay people aren't just gay and pride. And um, black people aren't just black and black history month. We're not seasonal. You mm. either talk to us 365 days of the year, like your um, white consumer, or you don't talk to us at all. Because nobody's here to fill your diversity quota when you want to look good face value. And, you know, as consumers, we're becoming a lot more switched on. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot to realise when something's not not quite authentic or not genuine. So, um, yeah, it's it's been received quite well. I'm, I'm super happy with the way it's going. But there's always a lot to do. Like, mm. there's always 
going to be a lot to learn and I'm not stopping just yet. I'm really just getting, really just getting started. Good, I'm glad. So I have a question. You talk really passionately about it. Is it more of a movement or what, what are your plans for it? Like where, where's it going next? How do, how do you describe it? So it has a few avenues. Um, because it's on social media, I'd say because there's a certain community towards it, there's, it's got its activism and uh, movement level. But in present time, it's a business model and it's got its uh, business to it as well. So then you get, but then you get my page, which is quite unapologetically, I'll say what I need to say. So there's a few mixes of a very millennial mindset to mixing it with something as a form of activism. But when I consult, it's in very business data, numbers, consumer spend sort of level. So it's, um, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, I think when you go on social media, you see all like, artwork and all this kind of stuff and people are like oh yeah activism and I was like no this is this is this well it can be activism but this is this is um a message for brands you know so yeah there's a few avenues on how people want to relate to it I guess it started as a movement um it's turned into a consultancy it's turning into an education piece for universities now it could potentially turn into a book. So yeah, there's a lot of opportunities there. I think there's a lot of interest from industry on mm. how potentially this could grow. But from it being starting as a hashtag, it's now been uh, introduced to universities, as I said, and brands and consultancies and I guess consumers just for a sense of belonging. Mm. And someone's actually saying it and speaking about it. So yeah, there's a, there's a few avenues there. I definitely think there's a book in it. I think you could have a really nice sort of active section, you know, for people to work through, like a workbook type, not necessarily yeah. a day one, but lots of avenues, I'm sure. And I'm, I'm very pleased it's going into universities because I think that's a good good, good place to start. Um, I want, When you were talking earlier about the fashion industry, I had a sort of question um, that sort of popped into my head. When you think of the fashion industry, you tend to sort of think about forward thinking. There's lots of interesting campaigns being had and that sort of thing. Why why is the fashion industry paying lip service to diversity instead of an inclusion, instead of really embracing it? You know, when you think about fashion, it's about different looks. It's about, you know, um, pushing envelopes and that sort of stuff. They should really be a bastion for like best practice when it comes to this sort of stuff. Why are yeah. they paying this? I'll be honest, the fashion industry, um, it's a very there's a it's not as inclusive as people think you know the, when you go behind the scenes it's not right they can get models from all around the world they can get models from whatever to look like they're probably representing uh, whoever they want to represent but when you go behind the scenes and you see their team it is not inclusive so you know that you can't really have diversity doesn't work if there's no representation behind the scenes it doesn't work diversity doesn't work if there's no inclusion mm. and a lot of these this face value lip services oh we've got a black model we've got a brown model cool but who's who's on your marketing team who's board level right. who's actually making the decisions who is speaking on behalf of our community because if i see something that is targeted to my community i want to make i want to know if that was if somebody from my community actually had the opportunity to have a seat at the table to make that certain campaign for my community mm. not just somebody who's trying to benefit from speaking to my community to capitalize from the brand it, it's not fair you know 
So um, behind the scenes representation is something I talk about quite a lot and it's something that I'm extremely passionate about. And I think as a South Asian Muslim Pakistani woman working in the fashion industry, I don't see, actually I've not come across one person and I've been doing this since 2018. I think I've come across other South Asians, mm-hmm. but not a Pakistani Muslim woman. Um, so yeah. And I, I think when I used to work with people, every job I'd have, I'd always be the first brown girl, the first Muslim they'd worked with, or the first this they'd worked with. Mm. And at first, I didn't realize that. At first, I was like, yeah, whatever, okay. And now when I look, it just really irritates me because I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. why you know and um even when I speak to my friends from other communities from whether my what, what like you know from whether they're Indian or Bangladeshi or even East Asian or the black community they're always the um only person or the minority in that room but I always say as 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 uh, brown people i know as black people we're not actually the minority we're the global majority so why mm. are we not taking up these spaces why are we not seen in these spaces and it comes down to people in positions of power actually wanting to work with us rather than using us to capitalize off us and um our cultures our traditions our models and the features and you know all that kind of stuff mm. um but yeah, the fashion industry has a long way to go. And it has a long way to go to understand how to even speak to consumers mm. because you can't speak to all consumers the same way. You know, you can't, there's there's a level of intersectionality within each within each community. And we're not all the same. One brown person doesn't represent all brown people. You know, um, even as far as when I look at campaigns and I see um, often when it's Muslim representation, it's a hijabi model. Right. And that's fine to start, you know, but I'm like that that level of um, or that representation of modesty can be quite damaging to the image of how other Muslim women choose to show their modesty. Right. And often I've had, oh, but you don't wear a hijab. So how are you Muslim? So I was like, people really see things face value unless we have in more than one representation from one community. That's when there will be growth, you know. Um, And it's not always getting a literal face value thing, but I think the fashion industry likes to get literal face value representation. And it'll be someone in a hijab, it'll be someone who's visibly got a disability, it'll be Mm -hmm. someone who who is visibly open with their sexuality or, you know, and it's like for me, I've always just been sort of the brown girl in the middle. Um, I don't look Muslim enough for brands. I don't look Asian enough for brands. But then within my own community and the issue they have with colorism i'm not white enough for them so it's a really difficult thing where i'm just in the middle trying to advocate well where do i stand you know yeah um tell me that plays nicely onto um fashion minority alliance tell me what the book tell everyone not just me what's that about what what do you do with them so we build a relationships with the fashion and beauty industry stakeholders to foster more of a a long-term um relationship with uh, black and brown people and this is from university graduates and getting their foot in the door for opportunities and providing them with opportunities um like we were in a discussion I was in a discussion with a friend actually um was it last week and we were talking about British fashion designers and none of us could name one black or brown British, British fashion designer 
come out the UK that has had a red carpet item uh, item one on a red red carpet. When we look, a lot of obviously we've got people. There's people in the United States, but what is what is the UK doing for black and brown talent? What is the UK doing for black and brown fresh fashion creatives? What is the UK doing to make fashion accessible for black and brown black and brown creatives? They're not doing a lot. I'll tell you that they're not, because when they, they need to understand that culture is a big thing to my community, and just if I'm talking on behalf of myself, uh, but also is would there be an intersectionality of religion? Now, in any work, any fashion industry, drinks, nudity, all that kind of stuff is um, a big thing. So for me to even be working in the fashion industry, I, I've got quite a bit of privilege. And, you know, I've, I'm from a very open-minded family, but there's a lot of self-discipline because I don't drink. But in order for me to meet people, I have to be at these events. So the accessibility, not just to clothes, but to get into the fashion industry is very limiting. And it's like you have to know a certain person, you have to do a certain thing, and you have to be a certain place. So with the FMA, we kind of um, are trying to build more of a, I guess, relationship to sort of um, hold more long-term relationships with black and brown people, not just not just temporary one-off tick box seasonal, is to kind of make foster that and make that long-term. Mm. I guess when we when we sort of talk about activism, that there's sort of like different levels of it. I would imagine, just from what you've mentioned just there, with like you know you, you don't see designers on the red carpets. I, I guess that's just you know educating. Um, what you, I don't know the word for the people that pick wardrobes for clients and that sort of thing. What do you call it? costumiers? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, but it's it's having um, having stylists behind the scenes to pick from their own communities as well not relying on white counterparts to give us a seat at the table so expanding the repertoire of people available not just educating the ones that are there yeah yeah imagine if you had a magic wand at the moment and you could change the industry but you only have one swoosh of that wand what would you change straight away compassion oh why'd you pick that I don't think, I think if you want to make real change, you just have to be a compassionate person. Mm. A lot of people are like, well, why should I care? And most of the time people don't. And I think for anybody to care about anything, it starts with compassion. Mm. And because you want to make that change, you can't force it down someone's throat. But that's why I say it starts with compassion and with compassion. um, People will naturally make that change, not not question it. They wouldn't second guess it. Interesting. Um, we had um, Carol Russell on the show. She's a senior black TV writer um, that I spoke to earlier, uh, talking about diversity in TV writers' rooms, which is sort of what we just talked about a little bit with the fashion. Um, she said she's seeing change, but not not fast enough, but she is definitely seeing change. What's the equivalent in um, the brand world for that sort of to happen? Is it marketing? Is it more senior sort of stuff? Is it everywhere? Where do people sort of need to hear different voices and see different faces? It starts behind the scenes, I think. I think you can't um, have change unless it's behind the scenes. Like, again, if I'm having, you can't have the thing, the problem now is as culturally inexperienced people creative for communities they think they understand. Mm. I'm I'm tired of people who are not from my community trying to make campaigns for me. 
I'd rather have someone have a seat at the table to make those campaigns for me because I, I don't want I don't I'm, I'm no longer here for stuff to be sold down my throat or see a brand see a western brand do eastern clothing just to boost the sales for Ramadan Eid it's happening right. this is I'm seeing ads in my face when I was going to my Instagram I'm seeing all these um South Asian wear and I'm like I, I don't like it mm. and the reason I don't like it is because these it's not why why what what is a need why are you doing it and do you mm. know what I mean I get it it's I get you want to be inclusive in quotes Mm. but start with hiring people and start with behind the scenes start with um initiatives and start with actually how are you approaching um the way you treat people the values mm. where you get your clothes made fast fashion all this kind of stuff and there's so many um concepts in terms of other like brands that aren't fashion related um it's sort of the same principle but it, it really comes with again hiring mm. you know we don't need um face value diversity we need meaningful diversity and representation behind the scenes for diversity diversity to work when it's on camera um and i think that's why i say you know it's, it can't work it can't work if you don't have it behind the scenes and it needs to be behind the scenes before it can be on camera i know there's a lot of people being like we need this these tv presenters we need these actors we need these singers we do we absolutely do but we need it behind the scenes for it to have a longevity on camera if we're just going to keep pushing for um face value representation it's not going to serve well long not mm. like in the long term but we need people who have who are in positions of power behind the scenes to build those relationships and keep it long term not just temporary what, what do you think the power of language is in this or what the role of language is in all of this when i think of these people in their ivory towers sitting there looking at spreadsheets and that sort of thing i wonder do do they feel just so uncomfortable having these chats with people about you know whether it's using terms of um that reference people's ethnicities or something else i always find that like words are constantly changing in their use and acceptability um terms get people into trouble um but when you think about those sorts of um people in the higher seniority they tend to be older they tend to be whiter i do think some of that's changing definitely not fast enough i definitely don't think it's happening in the numbers that we need um when you think of words like bame or people of color and that sort of thing it's they're hideous aren't they but it gets people into trouble what's your recommendation when it comes to people? i mean what what even um, is bame like what is a need honestly like that that word mm. that word really annoys me the word bame the word poc the word minority the word ethnic and the word diversity is literally all added onto that. Diversity is another word to say black and brown these days. Yeah. Because people don't want to say black and brown. So I'm like, oh my days, like I'm so tired of trying to make people comfortable that I really couldn't give a shit if you feel uncomfortable because my, your comfort isn't my problem. That's your problem. And I always think comfort mm. and understanding something is a choice. It, that will be a choice when it comes down to race and equality and equity if you choose not to understand something that's your problem if you choose to if you're uncomfortable that's your problem mm. and I often say well obviously I can't speak on behalf of all communities but I normally say when it's my community the South Asian community I, I would prefer to be addressed as brown or Pakistani or the intersectionalities within this within the South Asian community mm. BAME is like well who do you mean do you mean Indian do you mean do you mean Pakistani what do you mean because mm -hmm. I don't know what you mean by South Asian as a whole 
So tell me what you specifically mean and then we can actually go ahead. But the truth is people don't know their geography. So that that makes it a bit more complicated. Oh my God, Because 100%. they're like, oh I, didn't, oh, I don't know about the South Asian. It's just yeah. brown. So yeah, people are really stupid at the same time. So it's kind of like, mm, right, maybe they're saying it because they don't know. Fair enough. Like whatever. Mm. But I would, I think people should be addressed how they want to be addressed. Yeah. I, I must admit, I've gotten into the habit of asking people now, even though even that kind of makes me feel uncomfortable sometimes because they sort of sometimes roll their eyes or, you know, I, I, it's, yeah. it's that sort of weird edged sword and that sort of thing. But until you do it, you've just got to get over it, haven't you, really? And just sort of get, get yeah. to the point of why you're meeting that person, not like worrying yeah. about it. Like it, yeah, like it's really about even like if like I'll give you an example, one thing that I'm learning, I'd say is um, on pronouns and gender. Mm. Um, because it's not it's not obviously it's obviously a 100% supportive community but it's not a community that I've been um had around quite a lot growing up and ever since I think moving to London I've I've been more in the environments of having friends from those backgrounds so one thing that I do consciously is to make sure people are addressed they want to be addressed the way they want to be addressed Mm. and it's just it's principle and it's respect and um you know, I think for people who don't get it, um, I always think for, for, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, that that is only just a small percentage because I'm like, I understand it is new. Diversity shifted. The world has shifted. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to keep up. That's one thing I would I'm 100% understand. But we can't be stuck 30 years, 20 years back. We have to really adapt and it maybe it is like learning a new language, you know, and mm. it is getting used to. But also treat it with a bit of respect because everyone is human at the end of the day, and we all will make mistakes, you know. Um, yeah. I think I think on the opposing end, I think like this cancel culture or all this can be, it, it's not progressive, you know. Yeah, 100%. but but it's kind of like I think people shouldn't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah, ask them. But if you know what you're going to say is offensive, just keep your mouth shut. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, oh, God, yeah yes. you know. Um, like, I've had really stupid things said to me, and I'm like, really? Like, did you really have to say that? You know, like, um, working in the fashion industry, so many people say to me, like, obviously the words BAME, minority, all this, all this come up. Then they're like, oh, are you not meant to be a doctor or a mathematician? Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, what's that supposed? To? Obviously, the stereotype of South Asians and how where we should be and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But going back to term and language and how um, language has sort of, I think language has really dumbed people down. When when mm-hmm. language should be, it should be expressive, but it also shouldn't box people off. So I don't like the word "bame." Don't like the word "minority." They're all inaccurate because mm-hmm. "bame" doesn't make sense. "Bame" excludes other underrepresented groups uh minority black and brown people are not minority with the global majority so that even is geographically incorrect um maybe we might be the minority in spaces but when they do reports it doesn't make sense so i think they really need to kind of listen and sort of i guess change the narrative on how they're doing it mm. but yeah um what other words were on that list ethnic got i don't i don't want to have to explain ethnic exotic don't want to have to explain that there's so much uh, garbage and it's just like right mm. like why can't you just be why can't you just be normal like seriously like we're not we're not alien we're not aliens 
we yeah. are normal people speak to us like normal people yeah the, the senior folks that i get to work with at different companies they um they often struggle with terms and phrases you know that's the thing. that's a reality sadly that we we need to address i think when you look um at boards and things like that i start to just despair sometimes with companies going like how do you think you're a representative company a progressive company a forward thinking like remotely interested in the future when your board looks whiter than christmas no you know it's like ridiculous and i was looking into this um i didn't get to ask um kim and tria uh the last one so i'm going to ask you um harvard business review looked at diversity on boards and they found that most did not have the desired effect because more substantial changes rather than visible ones didn't take hold do you have any advice for people who are filling the spaces or creating programs for corporate change like what should they be doing to get those boards more um diverse or not diverse but you know inclusive and that sort of thing yeah so you have to you have to be ready for it don't introduce something if you're not ready for it and if the people that you work with are not ready for it because it will only fail and I think um obviously it's just that lip service isn't it I think that you need to have the action plan before providing the lip service and the action plan needs to already take off when you provide that lip service because if you're like we're going to do this and this is what we're going to achieve and you're not even not even started it then you've already dug yourself a hole I always think, you know, everyone everyone is aware. I refuse to believe no one is aware of the inequalities and whatever in a workplace. Everyone is aware. But what people don't do is take action. Like, mm-hmm. progression doesn't come without action. Change doesn't come without action. Mm-hmm. And if anybody's starting off, I would be like, you need to really have a significant amount of budget in this. Mm-hmm. And that budget needs to be distributed in in, in fairness, in, in like fairly actually, because you know it, it's also what what do you want? I would ask, I would ask the board member or whatever, whoever it is, that like, why are you doing this? What do you want from it? Mm. How much do you know about it? A lot of them wouldn't even be able to answer first two because be like, oh because we don't know the reason why people are doing this is because they don't want to get cancelled yeah and they don't want to get in trouble yeah 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 and if that's the only reason you're doing it then you're gonna get cancelled anyway because people aren't dumb because all it takes for them is they can't view who's working at your company all it takes is for them to go on linkedin and see see your staff yeah it's all it's all public and I think people are looking for that more and more, uh, you know, especially the younger demographics. They're looking at that sort of makeup of that company because they'll know how you're going to get treated, don't you? And that sort of thing. So I, I think it's a really, it's almost an important thing to have. A pi- and people are doing it now. They're putting pictures on their websites front yeah. and centre and that sort of thing. But again, that's, you know, for the wrong reasons and that sort of thing. But it's good that they are hopefully but, diverse, you know, and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, um, but I often say when I consult organisations is like, imagine you go into a space and the staff is just, it's all black and brown. And you're mm. white. You're white, yeah? Would you be comfortable going into that office? They they would respond no. Mm. So I said, what, on what right do you think anybody who is non-white would feel comfortable coming into your office? Why do you have that expectation? Then they can't answer the question. As I said, don't expect people to come into your workplace when you're not advocating or actively doing something to change your a work environment to make it more inclusive and more representative yeah. because if you wouldn't do it they won't do it 
you know? That, that follows on to a question I had. Um, ally might be the wrong word, but what does it take? What does it mean to be truly an ally um, to people of different um, faiths, really, every, anything in, in 2021 at the moment? Mm. I feel like the definitions changed um, somewhat over the, the last sort of 12 months, a little bit. Do you, would you agree with that? I wouldn't say I'm, I'm an ally when I'm from a, a, a community that is marginalised. Mm-hmm. I'd say that I'm part of that and I'm actively trying to navigate in my own space to change that. The allies come from people who are not from that community yeah. and them helping me and them helping other, other communities involved in that. I'd say it's, if, it's, if it's supporting other communities and giving them a seat at the table, then yeah, I'd say mm-hmm. fine, I'm an ally. You know, I'd always build a bigger table. If I'm in a space and... I, I can see that, oh, this person would be good to me. I'm the first person to mention someone's right name mm. um, in a room. Um, and it's just like, right, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think I think allyship comes from people who um, want to support because they have the, I guess, privilege to do so. Um, but I think coming from a group that's marginalised in so many different ways, whether it's South Asian, then it's uh, being female, then it's being a Muslim. And then would it would it be your class background you know I'm from I'm from the north so it's like it's, I'm from Bradford originally then you're trying to move to London so it's like right you know I'm really trying to make this work but I'm really trying to make what I'm doing work but um yeah I just think it should come it should come because you want to help people so if you're an ally and you want to support people you should not do it for clout if that makes sense you should not yeah. do it because you want to look popular or you want to look like you're doing stuff you should yeah. do it because it, 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 you want to do it and it means something to you, not because, again, you don't want to get cancelled or because there's a bit of FOMO in you not posting something to your story or your grid or getting the likes or the comments or to people to think that you're cool. And it's like there's a lot more than allyship. It's, it can't be performative, basically. I feel like it's got to be action based these days, hasn't yeah. it? Like you know, when Black Lives Matter happened, and you know, like you say, you you know, you post or you don't post something on Instagram. You know, it a lot of those times it feels like you know the phrase slacktivism comes to mind and that sort of stuff. Yeah, but it's not it's not 100% always clear of what we should do in that. You know, there isn't like a handbook to ah right, this is what we sort of do. So I think there are you know people are looking to people like you to sort of not necessarily tell them what to do but sort of be a beacon and so like well I'm doing this you do your own thing or you know because of x y and z so I think it's so important that that's sort of the message that you're giving out is authenticity but also point of view and also you know changing the power uh, structure of companies from within I think that's the that's the sort of key from what I you know from everything I knew that's why I asked you to do TBD because what you're saying is so important to sort of push an agenda change not just you know pages in a magazine and that sort of stuff I, I wanted that sort of message to come out so definitely um I had one last question before I run on to Desert Island tweets we're moving into a hybrid world which is gonna for some people be amazing and they're gonna love their lives and that sort of thing but it also makes a lot of things easier not to see if that makes sense um what do you think people should be doing when they're in the office working remotely so that they can help people who aren't seen if that makes sense um oh, wow I also um it really just comes down to um being self-aware but can you really teach people how to be self-aware <laughs> you know it's like um don't speak over people obviously it's not even that it's just very it's a principle of how you just treat somebody with respect Mm. nobody needs special treatment we need this equal amount of treatment we're not asking for we want more 
right. nobody needs more than anyone. We just need an equal amount of respect and to be listened to. Yeah. Um, and just to be understood. And, you know, we don't need forced, forced, um, like, it's like, it reminds me of being like a kid, being a kid at a birthday and someone pushing you to go first for something. We don't need that. Right. It's kind of like we just want <laughs> the same amount of respect and that's it. Yeah. No, you know? that's fair. Um, what's your, uh, like, what's next for you? What's your main focus? Uh, next, you know what? Um, I'm just literally, um, well, I've launched my consultancy website. So hopefully just and where to get can more. people find you? Um, it's aruj-aftab.com is my uh, website. My Instagram is its.aruj. And this is my Twitter. So <laughs> everything, everything, <laughs> everything um, sort of linked. But yeah, um, I think, and that, you know what, I'm just um, going with the flow. But also, I know what I want. But I'm, I've got my cards close to my chest because I'm ready to do something. Or when it's on the grid, it's on the grid. It's like kind of thing is when it's when it's when it's there, it's there. People will know. But I guess obviously, it's the education side of things. Yeah. Um, a few more lectures at a few universities. I've, I'm speaking to some really cool people, and um, like you know, doing some really cool things with like Nottingham Trent University. Um. I'm going to have a conversation with the London uh, College Fashion and all this kind of stuff. So it's really interesting the people I'm speaking to, um, and yeah, there's 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 a few connects. Um, who knows? I, I'll manifest a book deal this year. <laughs> I I can see it. I can, I can, I can see <laughs> yeah. nothing but success in your future. I really do. I'll do my clothes later, but um, let, for now, Thank let's um, nip onto Desert Island tweets. Thank you. Um, it's the part of mouthwash where we pick a tweet or two that's changed the guest mind our way in some in some way. Um, please send your attention to the nest, and I am going to very subtly pop that up in the nest so if you open up the uh, space you'll see it at the top pull down if you can't see it um it's a uh i believe i'm correct in saying it's one directions zane or x one direction zane um tell me why why you picked this one because i'm like finally someone's called them out and mm. you know like um it's never been about talent nothing a lot of these spaces haven't been about talent it's about who you know and mm -hmm. how what your class is the UK has a really huge class issue. And unless you know somebody speak a certain way, like normally if you're if you're a person of colour and you speak two languages, it's seen as trashy. If you're white and speak more than one language, you're seen as, ooh, you're very intelligent. So it's kind of like the same thing of where um, it's not about, you know, it's, it's literally about the need for equality and, you know, space that allows people to grow. But this kind of Grammys, or was it the Grammys? I think it was, yeah. Um, it's it's just like, it's really much, if you know somebody who knows somebody or if you shower people with gifts or whatever you do, and if you look really cool, then you're going to be seen, you know? But you have to know a certain person to get, to get there. And I feel like that's the same thing with opportunities. That's the same thing with the fashion industry. Same thing with even the diversity and inclusion space. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Find out more about Mouthwash and the next season over at mouthwashshow.com. Mouthwash is recorded live on Twitter Spaces before becoming the podcast you've been listening to. Thanks to Ecology for planting a tree for every listener and Shell for sponsoring the show. 
Let me know if you're enjoying Mouthwash so far by leaving us a rating and a review. Remember to subscribe to Mouthwash wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes featuring activists, AI experts, Silicon Valley royalty, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists, and a whole lot more besides. See you next time, and remember, always start or end your day with a little mouthwash.